Hey, butthead. How come, like, some stuff sucks, but then, like, some stuff is pretty cool? Uh... Well, if nothing sucked, and, like, everything was cool all the time, <laughs> then it's like, how would you know it was cool? This is the Skeleton Crew, radio at its scariest. What's going on, Mikey? Ah, sir, it's been one hell of a week. I don't know about you, but uh, uh, aside from watching Hellraiser Revelations, which we'll get to in a minute, I'm sure, I uh, got a chance to check out or, uh, Gremlins 1 and 2, which are coming to Blu-ray next week from Warner Brothers. I got uh, exclusive advanced copies from uh, Warner Brothers. Now, now, Dan, I know his week was just destroyed by our little Netflix assignment, uh, from, from what I heard. Now, Dan, just yep. save it? What, or, or do you want to get into it right away? What do you want to do? Oh my god, oh my, oh, we're getting right into that, dude. I don't even know if I can. I gotta mentally prepare myself for that one. Yeah, the new Hellraiser flick. I mean, I'm all excited about Netflix, and then these assholes make me watch this piece of shit. We gotta watch everything. Listen, if you wanna be an adequate horror radio show, you actually have to know something about horror movies. Correct. You have to watch them. Really? Good or bad, yes. You huh. act, listen, this is this is not fun. This is a job. <laughs> I I have been led astray. I thought, okay, yeah. No, see, the thing is with this movie, you know, I, I didn't hate it, dude, but I just, uh, can I be honest with you, straight no, up? No, no. <laughs> I, I want you to think about my feelings. Good night. Yeah. <laughs> no, I, I never liked the Hellraiser series, so... This movie, I, yes, I, I like watching horror movies, don't get me wrong, and I was actually in the mood to watch this when I did throw it on, but I tried three times making it through this whole movie, and I could not do it. It was horrible. I mean, really. I mean, come on, guys. Well, I mean, which, which one of you put me up to this? I, up. That was me. But here, here's the thing. Let's, okay, let, let's, let's break this down properly, the, the, way, the way we do. Okay. Let's start off with the obvious Doug Bradley is not playing Hellraiser. The, uh, Hellraiser. He's not playing Pinhead this time. Right, right. Now, that's obviously the biggest faux pas of the movie. It, uh, there's a couple others, but let's start with mm -hmm. that. Now, a lot of people are not even willing to watch this, and a lot of people absolutely hated this movie before it even came out. I heard Mike was going on about how Hellraiser looks like a... A bad party city costume, or why do yeah. I keep saying Hellraiser? Jesus Christ! You mean Pinhead? <laughs> Pinhead looks like a bad party city costume. Yeah, yeah. for yeah. About, for twelve ninety nine on uh, you know discount rack. Now yeah. <laughs> that's true, but here he, here's the thing: the reason I really didn't care about all that is the same reason Dan just mentioned. I don't even watch Hellraiser movies. Right. Right. So I don't really care that Doug Bradley's not in it. I mean, yeah, for my own personal nostalgia growing up and always seeing that familiar face but still not watching, yeah, it would have been nicer if he was in it. But you know what? I kind of think that other guy adds a, a bit of creepiness. There's something very yeah. just off about him. I don't know what it is. It's just something weird. Agreed. 
So what well, do you think, Mike? No, here's the thing. Doug Bradley could have made the character in that film weird and scary if it was written that way. But in all the other Hellraiser films, Pinhead, I, I mean, really wasn't written with that sort of character in mind. It was it was different. It was just, it was a different movie, like for the first eight or so that he was in. And now this one is just entirely... I mean, it is different. And when I first put it in, the Dimension logo uh, came up, and oh, God. I was go. like, okay, we're good. This is getting into good territory. <laughs> then the movie starts, and I'm like, okay, this is good. It seems like it's going to be found footage Hellraiser. Yeah, it I does seem, yeah, right. it seem that way, yeah. Right, and uh-huh. I'm like, I can, you know... Feel this. I'm like, Dimension, you're starting to dwindle a little bit. I, I don't know. And then something when the one character, I guess, Steven returns after this whole thing and they start piecing all the stuff together, like all the events together, that's kind of where it came together for me. And I was like, you know what? This is actually pretty decent. I mean, look. Yes! But uh-huh. this movie, I actually thought was good. I, I thought that it was very well executed. The acting was not perfect, <laughs> but it wasn't bad either. No, the acting was bad, dude. I'm going to I'm going to join in. The acting was bad. But That's no. what I couldn't get past, dude. I didn't mind the costume even that much. I thought it was creepy nonetheless, regardless, you know, you look at the knockoff one that they had in Cabin in the Woods recently or whatever. So it's good, you know, at least he looked somewhat like the original, but dude, that acting is what ruined the whole movie for me. It was a little bit hard to follow, yes, at the, in the beginning, but I got it at the end. And it, it was it was not bad. I, I'll give you that, Alex. It's not bad, dude. You know what, though? But Do you like Sleepaway Camp? Do I? Yes. You thought that was good acting? No, 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 no. It's horrible. It's horrible. I love the movie, though. <laughs> okay, and that's, you know what? That's what I'm saying. This movie, it has to get a few passes just by default. You if you you can't say that you love Sleepaway Camp and then complain about acting here. Of course, you would imagine newer movies would have better actors, but it turns out this movie proves they don't. All right, well let's break this down now. Okay, it seemed like it would be found footage. Uh, these two kids, I think their names are Stephen and Nico. Yeah. yeah, they go to Tijuana, Mexico. Tijuana, Tijuana. Yeah, you kept on saying that. They see this super hot Spanish chick at a bar. She uh, she wasn't hot. Oh, I think she was. Not at all. Steven goes to Banger because Nico is dating Steven's sister. So, of course, he shouldn't be looking for chicks. But it turns out the Spanish chick likes Nico better. Um, Did you enjoy that part of the film, Alex? In the bathroom? Yes. Absolutely. I like those two characters, actually, those two guys. They were pretty good. Yeah, yeah, I like them. You yeah. know what it is, though? With the acting, I give it a sort of a pass because you ever notice that when there's movies that are like found footage movies and things like that, that the acting is a little different? They try to make it more realistic and not so mm-hmm. perfect? Yep, yep. I think that's what this was doing. Right. Good point, dude. Yeah, thanks. And I think it, it bled over into the the normal part of the movie, though. I think that's where... Mm. 
I think that's where it got a little lost. They they would have had to actually change their approach to the role as right. the normal parts were compared to the found footage parts. I think that's where the acting fell. Um, so he's he's whacking away at this chick in the bathroom. Suddenly, this guy comes out of his drunken stupor, Stephen, and he goes and you know, or else maybe the guy Nico woke him up, and all of a sudden he finds out that this chick is dead in a puddle of blood on the toilet bowl. Now, yeah. Mike. What was what was that all about? Why? What did you think that was even implying, or what was the point? I thought because Nico woke Stephen up out of his his drunken haze, so to speak, and he was the guy that was saying, you know, Stephen, come on, we gotta go, we gotta go, and I was, you know, under the impression that Nico killed this girl. It was probably an accident because he screwed her. Well, the thing is, I don't think she was a hooker, obviously, and I don't think he wanted to pay. So maybe he just hit it a little too hard against the bathroom stall. You think? Oh, yeah. Really? Oh, yeah. And then maybe he just got a switchblade and sliced and diced her a little bit after, you know, for good measure, to make it look like an accident. That's so strange. A guy would kill, I mean, a normal kid. I I, I don't know his character enough, but... Well, he doesn't want to do... He didn't want to pay for sex. So what, dude? Just... Just tell her to meet me around the back of the building, and he takes off somewhere, you know. I, yeah, but he's a horny <laughs> teenager. He doesn't have logic. People in these movies like that, they don't have logic. They just do these things on sheer impulse, and that's what it was with him, was impulse. Okay. All right. So, I'll go with that, Mike. Good point. Yeah, I'll go with that. Okay, so you got now this homeless guy or something. We'll talk yeah. about him later in the movie, of course. He He passes the box off to... Nico and, and Steven, he says, you know, ultimate pleasure, blah, blah. So yeah. Nico goes and opens the box. All of a sudden, Hellraiser's there. And I love this act. You mean Pinhead, sir. I did it again, <laughs> son of a bitch. Yeah. If I do it one more time, what, what, what's the stake? off the show. Yeah. I'm off the show? At the next yeah. show, you guys do alone. Yes. Okay. Uh, on second thought, uh, you can do it three more times, and then you're yeah. off. <laughs> three and I'm out. Three strike limit. Yep. All right. You're done. You, okay. you don't even think you get a fourth, Alex. I'm not playing. Uh, pushing it. All right. So Pinhead's all of a sudden he pops up, and I love the reaction. He's like, whoa, what the fuck? Get the fuck out of here. He's like, who the fuck are you? And he goes, the box. And he goes, take it, man. Just get the fuck out. Like, that was realistic to me, man. Mm. Like, I felt that was real. It was pretty intense. What do you think, Dan? I mean, Dan, if you opened that box and this asshole's in your room, what would? how would you react? Well, here's the thing. And I, like you said about the realism thing, but it's such an unreal concept to, to wrap your head around in the first place so it's kind of it's trying to blend and you got to give it, it you got to give it its credit it works dude you're absolutely right oh definitely dude and and, and how later as you call him no Pinhead, <laughs> he, he's a great scary character i don't care what anybody says you know and, and how he gets things done but just the look at him and kind of his stone cold you know demeanor and face and, and just how he how he goes about his his, his thing you know it's it's great dude i i've i've always thought he was creepy i really think that this movie for me kind of paralleled the first and second film yes for some reason yeah. it really did especially with the character without the face that wanted the kills for the you know to get the skin to get the flesh i really think well, that that paralleled the first two films what i don't understand I guess Pinhead... Oh, I said it right. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. I guess he wanted Nico, took him, 
And then, I don't know how it works. Do you take them and suddenly <clears throat> they just pop up out of a floor or a bed and just need blood? I mean, how does this exactly work? That's just weird. <laughs> wow. No explanation on Michael J's part. That's just weird, dude. Yeah. Keep it moving. <laughs> it's weird because it's the normal process, but we have no idea why. Right, <laughs> so, right. exactly, dude. Exactly. All right, so now Steven has to kill people in order to give Nico blood. Now, you would think <clears throat> that they make... Nice. They make the whole movie about that, like part one, but they actually don't. This is really lightly touched upon, which is good because it kept it moving faster, and I like fast-paced stuff. Yep, so it too. just kept moving. And yes, you have to do that, but let's keep going. So <clears throat> Steven's like getting hookers, killing them. Perfect boobs, by the way, on the hookers. The hookers, they were pretty hot. Their faces were not hot, but their bodies were all good. One of the other one hookers, so. Yeah, faces, that's why they're hookers. That's why they're not models or porn stars. Mm-hmm. Nico eventually, he realizes Steven is no longer willing to kill a bunch of people because uh, when the baby was crying, Steven realized, look, this kid has a mother. I'm going to kill the mother for this jerk-off because he wants to come back to life. He stops doing it. So his best friend Nico just kills, or I don't know what he does, but takes Steven's skin. And now Steven is somehow locked into the hell world, if yeah. you will. He takes his skin and apparently all his muscle features in his face and uh, his bone structure and his height <laughs> and everything. And yeah. he just, everything. He, it's just like a costume, I suppose. And he puts on Steven's entire look and then goes home. Yeah. So everybody thinks Steven is home and Nico is still missing. Meanwhile, it is Nico underneath the skin. Now, I, I, uh, that, that stuff... I was able to get past it. I'll tell you the truth. I didn't put much thought into it. I'm putting it in now because I'm doing the show. Right. But as I'm watching it, I didn't really care. But I, I do wish it wasn't so perfect. I wish there was some, like, cuts or some, some, some showing us how it got on him or something. Right, but here's the thing. Yeah. You didn't know that right when Steven appeared. You thought that it was Steven. You didn't know that it was Nico until later. You know, as the pieces of the puzzle came together. And I, I like that. Right. I mean, yeah. see, that's why you can get past it, I think, so easily. Because I didn't because, know it. That's true. Right. Because you didn't know it. You, I mean, you know it now, but you didn't know it then. And I thought that that was really, you know, a win part of the movie for me. Hey, do you think we should put spoilers in the uh, title? I, yeah, <laughs> yeah, definitely. Yeah. <laughs> okay, good. <laughs> okay, perfect, because uh, I think somebody might be pissed off right now. Yeah. So what do you think about the girl, Emma? I know Mike. Go ahead. Comment on her looks. Ah, uh, she, and you know what? I don't usually enjoy blondes all that much, but Emma, for me, was amazing. Did you still think she was amazing when you realized she was willing to make out with her own brother? See, that's what made, that's what kind of gave it away for me at that point where I'm like, you know what? Something's going on here. This can't really be Steven because I'm like, you know what? They're not trying to go the incest angle. And that that kind of made me think that, you know, there's something else here. There's something deeper here. Well, it turns out Russell Crowe is this guy's father. 
<laughs> I mean, am I wrong? Does a guy look like him? Because honestly, I don't even know. He really Crow. does, dude. Good call. He does. Yeah, he right? does a little bit, definitely. Because okay. I, I have a vague recollection of what that guy. I never watched one of them because he's a total asshole. I never, I won't watch any of his movies. But all right, so basically, when Steven comes home, yeah. which is really Nico, which we already said, uh, yeah. they say we got to get an ambulance. We got to get people over here to help him. They go outside. Both their cars are missing. And that homeless guy who gave them the box is outside. So he starts, like, talking shit. The one guy who's drunk takes the gun. The friend of Steven's uh, dad, Nico's dad, shoots the homeless guy, kills him. All of a sudden, the homeless guy gets up and carves this guy's freaking face off. And and Steven's dad is just standing there watching while his friend gets his face carved, carved off. Yeah. What the hell was that all about? Why was he just standing there? No, I would, well, I would stand there and watch him run. I'm sorry, I would do that. So he shoots <laughs> he shoots the homeless guy, he comes back in his house, and all of a sudden, Steven, slash Nico, has the gun, and then the dad goes, son, give me the gun, and then Nico, slash Steven, shoots the dad, and then that's when Steven, slash Nico, says, I'm really Nico. This must be hard to understand for people listening. <laughs> yeah, I know, huh? And then all of a sudden, you know, he starts doing this whole rebellious shit. I wanted to leave. I'm sick of eating the same shit every day, living the same goddamn boring life. And then I learned it from you, Dad. I yeah. It from and then you. all of a sudden, we find out that Steven's dad was fucking Nico's mother, and oh, yeah. that's that's why yeah. Nico was so pissed and shot him. And mm. then he walks up to him and says, "Your daughter, my cock, is the first she ever sucked." <laughs> <laughs> Like, I love that stuff when you get that fucking raunchy with the dad and just look right. at his reaction. Now, Dan, how many fathers have you said that to? Uh, off the top of my head, none. Because uh, you'd die. I- I'd be more scared of a dad like that fucking coming after me than uh, than Pinhead. Yeah, I- I've said it to about five or six different fathers. How about you, Mike? I believe it. I, believe I wonder it. what would happen if I said it to one. Yeah, because Mike can't get away that quick. Right. I'd be in trouble. <laughs> Nico makes Emma summon Pinhead to come back. Yeah. He comes Great back. Plan. Yeah, and then he says, I'm going to trade Emma for myself so you could take her and leave me alone. And then Pinhead's like, it is not negotiable. <laughs> <laughs> He's shit out of luck. They, they start tearing him apart again. So all of a sudden, the dad shoots Nico, sparing him an eternity of suffering. I wouldn't have done that. What a guy. How did you feel? Like, when, when Pinhead said that, did you go, oh, shit, that's true? And didn't you feel as dumb as the dad should feel for doing that? What? That the dad should feel dumb for shooting him? Yeah. Yeah, of course the dad should feel dumb for shooting him. Let the dude suffer. He deserved it. Right. Basically, there was a deficit of flesh, and Pinhead replaced Nico with... Russell Crowe's wife. Right. What'd you think about that? Now, that that was basically the end of the movie. Right. I didn't think this was a good ending. It was very abrupt. Yep. And basically, the dad, after seeing his wife be pulled away into the hell world, he, uh, he dies in front of his daughter, and then she holds the box and looks in the camera, and, you know, we all can assume whatever. Now, what it... Mike, you liked the movie, so did I. What did you think of the ending, though? Was it was it abrupt? It was, but I see. Here's the thing: I figure what's going to happen now is she's going to open the box and she's going to go into the hell world because she wants the ultimate pleasure. 
But was that a satisfying enough, like, bam, damn, that was a good movie? Well, no, because I, I would assume that she's, yeah, because I, I, I like I said, I assume that, that she is going for the gold in, in the hell world now. So that, that's all it took for you to say this was a good ending? Pretty much, and yeah, because I figured, you know, she's finally going to get what's coming to her, which is wonderful. But is that what we've been waiting for the whole time, though? Pretty much. Oh. What do you think about the gore? Like, when they sliced off uh, Stephen's face and you saw his skin fall from his face and all that gooey shit was there, did that not give you chills? It, like I said, it reminded me of, like, something that would happen in the first film. And I, th- I thought that it was actually really cool. Very well executed. Yeah, and the other thing that gave me chills was yeah. when that pseudo-pinhead, remember? Oh, hit, yeah. Which was uh, Steven, I guess. He yeah. had the nails in his head instead of pins, and they pressed, like, squares of flesh into him. And, uh, dude, when Pinhead... Oh, yeah, good. When Pinhead... <laughs> Puts the nail and he pushes it in. I don't know what it was, but the last time I think maybe I was drunk or something, man. But I got the chills. No. I got the. Yeah, can you believe that? I, I got the chills every time something like that happened. Right. Do you think this was a good movie though? Because it it, it exceeded your expectations of it. Like it was better than you thought it was was going to be. Were you kind of going off that or? Dude, I have the the most bizarre list of favorite movies. Francis. Lost Boys 2, uh, Hellraiser 4, uh, Sleepaway Camp 2, uh, Jason Part 8, Halloween 2, the remake, Ghoulies 2. (laughs) I like shit that nobody likes. Yeah. Psycho 3 is my favorite horror movie ever. See, this, to me, dude, I don't know. See, see, your opinion is always very good because when you and Mike start talking about this, it kind of gets me excited to see it again, to be perfectly honest with you, just because I kind of want to watch it again. That's how much I appreciate it. Now, even though if we disagree, it's like I'll definitely look at what you guys were saying, and let's face it, you know, you can't go back on the acting. It's just horrible this way, that way, whatever way you look at it. But, you know, it makes me want to go back, and I think that's the whole point of doing these things, too. You go back and look, oh, okay, you know, I, I do like that. But see, the thing is, wasn't the whole purpose for making this movie in the first place to keep the rights? Yeah. To to keep the rights to the franchise? So that alone is just kind of making it look like, oh, guys, we've got to make this. So already expectations are very low. And then you give a a pretty decent movie for what it was, you know? It's not like it's a big blockbuster by any means, but it was decent, you know? That's just my thoughts on it. The thing I don't like is that people, like... Say, this is, like, I think even, what's his name? Uh, Clive Barker, didn't he say I wouldn't put my name on this pile of shit or something like that? Yeah, it was pretty bad. Yeah, it was pretty raunchy. <clears throat> yeah, like, yeah. who is he to talk? Did, did not did he not make part five and six and seven and actually, eight? He, actually, he didn't. He just had, his name was just on it, but he didn't. He doesn't have anything to do, see, here's the thing. He doesn't really have anything to do with any of the subsequent sequels. His name is just on them as, like, based on the characters created by. No, but didn't he say he don't want his name on this pile of shit? He's very good friends with Doug Bradley, though. That could probably be a part of it, too. Now, does anyone know why Doug Bradley was not hired as Pinhead? Was it scheduling? Oh. I mean, is Doug Bradley really that busy? 
I did get a chance to speak with Doug Bradley a while back, and I can't remember exactly what he said, but I know that that issue was addressed, but I can't remember what he said. And I'm sorry, if you part five and six were the most unwatchable movies, I don't, I don't want to hear anything about this new movie. If you're a fan of those two... Yeah. yeah, but I liked them, and I also liked this one, so... Well, okay, but what I'm saying is, if you liked them, there's no way on earth you can't like this. Right. I mean, it's so much better. I, I It's just beyond me, I'm just, like, nuts. I mean... No, 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 you're right on that, Alex. You're totally, totally right on that. How do you guys rate this movie? I'll start with uh, Dan. Uh, yeah, uh, four? Really? Yeah, Ooh. i give it a four. Mike, how do you rate this? Eight. Eight, good. Cool. Eight, give it an eight. Really? Yep. I bought the Blu-ray, uh, obviously. I think it's an eight, too. So I'll, Really? You get Wow. I'll even go 8.5, because I know Mike wouldn't buy the Blu-ray. He'll just keep his Netflix subscription. I, I, I am going to buy the Blu-ray, I think. Really? Ooh. I think I am, actually. Well, I bought it for 7 bucks, $3 shipping. And and by the way, Dan, to add to my list of bizarre movies I like, uh, Nightmare on Elm Street Part 2 is m- one of my favorite movies ever. So, you know. And I am aware of that, sir, yes. And, and that's what made me uh, watch that movie a few more times because I had totally written it off because I must say I followed the Internet back in the day when, you know, I was a little young and, and I didn't know where to go and I was lost. And I used to say, okay, well, number two is the black sheep. I kept it black exactly. sheep. And then you told me about it, dude. I heard your interview with Mark Patton. I said, I'm going to give this a watch. I watched it a few more times. One of the best in the series, hands down. Thank you, Alex. Peace. Yeah, no, definitely, man. I mean, I just try to bring logic to stuff. I'm not even yeah, – I don't right. necessarily think all my opinions are right. I just, What I do is if, if I'm going against the grain, I try to – maybe open someone's eyes and say, well, I, maybe I was harsh. Maybe I was uh, uh, hasty with that decision. Maybe I am being influenced by the masses. Over the years, Alex, a lot of people, though, dude, have gotten on the bandwagon where, you know what I'm saying? Like, how you feel about that movie. A lot of people like it now. To where right now it's a fan favorite. It's one of the top ones. And, and a lot of people may disagree with that, but not from what I see in here. And, and you know, and my ears are at the streets, you know? I know what's going on in the hood. Yeah, it's, that movie really made a resurgence, especially when Mark Patton uh, actually came back to the world. Uh, you know, he has some access to him now. Right. So, yeah. all right, well, that was our breakdown of Hellraiser Revelations. Uh, hope you watched it with the recommendation. And uh, we have a recommendation for next week. I don't know if we'll be able to talk about the movie because we have a couple other movies to talk about, right, Mike? So That's correct, but we'll definitely give it a shot. And what would you like to recommend people watch? We're, we we try to go the obscure route. Not We're not going to say Lost Boys Part 1, you know what I mean? So... Right. Is anybody going to go see the Avengers this weekend? Oh, we can't talk about anything but horror. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, the Hulk, he's kind of he's kind of horrific. Damn, Justin's listening. Oh, yeah. shit. Scarlett Johansson's in that movie. Looking <sighs> so Dude. fine, so I get a pass. Maybe you don't care about your job, but I do, goddammit. Shut the fuck up. <laughs> yes. Mike, what horror movie would you like to recommend for Netflix? <laughs> The Horror Show, a.k.a. House 3, is on Netflix Instant. So I say, everybody watch it, leave your comments on it, and then we will talk about it next week. Yep, and can you say horror one more time? Horror. What was the name of the movie? The Horror Show. 
aka House Ring. We just bought one more week on Harvard. Okay, everybody? Yeah. <laughs> All right, guys, we got the director of Detention of the Dead, Alex Craig Mann, calling in in a minute. So we're going to take a break and we'll be right back. All right, boys and ghouls, we are joined this segment by director of Detention of the Dead, Alex Craig Mann. What's going on, brother? I'm doing well, guys. How are you? Good to have you on the show with us. Good to be here. Thank you. Now, I saw the trailer of this movie. This movie looks like a lot of fun. You got zombies. You got teenagers. They're all trapped in high school with the zombies. It looks really fun. Looks like good stuff. Can you tell us how this all started and... Fill everybody in on what the movie's all about? Well, it started as a play, actually, that I directed. Uh, we actually opened it uh, Halloween 2009, and it was, I think you'd call it more leaning towards almost sketch comedy about uh, five, at that time, five actors surrounded by zombies. And it was a lot of fun, and it did well. And then we, Rob Reno and I, fleshed out the story, developed it, uh, for the screen, of course, you need more locations and this play. It's only one room. And we really wanted to bring more of that Breakfast Club aspect to it. And I'm heavily influenced uh, from my youth by John Hughes. And so uh, the concept of bringing the storyline of the typical nerd who loves the hot cheerleader and then is also, uh, but really should be with his best friend, the, the goth chick, and the, all the comedy that ensues around those sort of the 80s comedy films and bringing horror to that. So you have those five or six teenagers surrounded by zombies and, uh, and with, a, with, with a really strong story at its base that is uh, very reminiscent of the films of my youth, of John Hughes and Breakfast Club, some kind of wonderful, pretty in pink, like that. Right, cool. If you were to compare this movie to, say, Evil Dead in terms of the ratio of comedy and horror? Like, how, how, would, you, how would you compare it? Uh, there's definitely some scares. It's fun to watch the audience because, you know, as a director, you get so close to the material. Then when finally I've had a few little test screenings, it's fun to see how people really react. And there are, uh, there are several moments where people jump. I'd say mostly it leads towards campy comedy. I like that you reference Evil Dead. That is something that's one of my favorites, and I certainly reached for elements of uh, of that kind of a genre. But also, uh, I would have to say it's more Breakfast Club meets Shaun of the Dead in the way that they brought comedy and also the real relationships at the same time. You know, a few moments of horror to the film. This movie looked pretty big budget to me. Did you have a good budget on this? <laughs> Thank you. Thank you very much, but no. <laughs> I'm, glad it, I'm glad it looked that way, though. Uh, the truth is, no, it was uh, what, what you'd call a, a lower-budget film. Uh, and uh, but I was surrounded by some exceptional talent from uh, my producer, Brooke Anderson, to my cinematographer, Noah Rosenthal, to that incredible cast that you see of really... Uh, quite impressive up-and-coming stars. Um, and, uh, uh, you know, so all in all, the quality of the film, the production value of the film, really, from a group effort, we elevated it beyond its budget. So, I, I mean, that's a huge compliment, and I thank you for that. But 
no. Fairly <laughs> low budget. You, you, you did a great job, you know, as Thank as you. as John Carpenter did with Halloween. You you somehow found the secret. <laughs> well, that's that, that's great company to be in. Thank you. Yes, yes. Now, how long does something like this take to be rewritten for film? Well, the play was written by Rob Reno, and then we were developing and writing the script for the next, uh, I guess from the time the play closed, you could say, let's say at the beginning of January 2010. And there was a development of the story between me and Rob, and then me as an editor and doing a lot of rewrites on the script, up and right up until literally the week before I said action. So you could say almost a solid 18 or 19 months of, uh, writing, developing, rewriting, uh, right up until, you know, about 10 days before I started shooting our, just a small little story. Our co-producer, Rick Johnson, was a huge background in, uh, as an assistant director, was breaking down the script, and he says to me, Alex, I love you, but the current script as it is, you can't shoot this in 20 days. You can't. It's, it, what he would say is that it's dense and daunting, you cannot do it, to which we would all be like, well, wait a second, what if we do this? What if we do this? And he'd say, Alex, I love you. You're a great guy, talented. You can't do it. You can't do it. <laughs> and I immediately, literally, in the days before saying action in pre-production, after with all the pre-production meetings and the actors there and beginning to do some rehearsing and, and everything else underway, I was cutting 10, 12 pages and rewriting to fill in those holes and changing things based on time and budget restrictions and location restrictions because, uh, well, I don't want to ramble too long, but let's just say there are a lot of obstacles. For example, my first location burned down <laughs> oh, wow. Wow. three weeks, three weeks before saying action. So every wow. time, every time being confronted by these obstacles, I had to, you know, either change something in the script in order to outcreate the obstacle or come up with some clever idea. So, See, that's funny. Do you think obstacles like this really hindered the movie as most people would expect it to? Or do you think in some ways it actually helped when you had to improvise? Well, it's funny. You know, I, a director I worked with when I was an actor, and there was a film that uh, one of my first leads in the film was called uh, Festival in Cannes. It was a Henry Jaglum film. And one of the expressions that he would use that taught me a valuable lesson was that the, the absence of limitations is the enemy of art. Right. And I, I have found that to be very, very true. So all these obstacles, rather than considering them hindrances, they actually just became great opportunities to create something new. And in reality, you, you know, uh, I believe it, it, we actually made it better. Wow. And I would say that this film, the, as, as shot, uh, is, it only got better and is, has a greater depth than it would have had otherwise because I had stunts and interesting things, you know, uh, either a comedic bit or something. I was forced to say, all right, what do I really need here for the story? And the dialogue is a little bit easier to shoot than a stunt. Right. And let's really bear down and really give some depth to these characters. Let's really bear down and say, what is this story? And so consequently, you have a, a teen zombie quote-unquote teen zombie campy comedy uh, film, but has a real story. And that's one of the things I'm, I'm very proud of. I think you can see this film and people are enjoying it, not just our target demographic, but I've got 15, 16, 70-year-olds, mm -hmm. you know, my parents, who you would never think would enjoy this, 
are laughing all the way through, and they're interested because the characters are well formed and the story has depth and detail. Yeah, I, I'm I'm glad that really turned out good for you, and I'm I'm really interested to see how these kids become zombies to begin with. Like, you know, like the the, the whole I want to see what happens here. So, so do you have a distribution deal? Working on it. We we actually uh, the exciting thing is is that it's it's definitely marketable. As you said, it's a, it's a hot topic right now. It's well done, as you said. The the production value is very nice, uh, and so we we already have um, what's it uh, interest, uh, and we're talking to them, and we have um, we're in the process of hiring hiring some really good sales reps, and. Uh, and that will be soon. We will be able to announce a distribution deal, uh, I think, in the near future. Great. Good luck with that. Thank you. Speaking of the zombie aspect only, who would you say really influenced your style? Would it be more Romero or like someone like Dan O'Bannon with Return of the Living Dead who who created like a more party fun? Like, I, like when I think of this movie, I think more Dan O'Bannon. I hear what you're saying, and I tell you what I... Uh, Dan Phillips, who was our uh, practical effects guy, he said, "What do you want to do with your zombies?" You know, mm-hmm. and it was a great question. You know, I, I said, "You know, what do I want to use as my uh, concepts for my zombies?" You know, not just in the way they move, but how do, how do they look? Right. You know, and uh, I'll tell you what I did is I, I hope this doesn't gross anybody out, uh, but you could go right now, you could Google the brown recluse spider. Mm-hmm. And you can see what a bite from a brown recluse spider does to the human body. And it's, it's gross. <laughs> <laughs> I will look that it's up. It's really, uh, yeah, well, but, but be ready, you know. And if people listening go look it up, just be ready, okay? Right. It's pretty uh, intense. It's pretty, it's scary, honestly. And we have brown recluses out here in California. I know people who have been bitten. And it. It eats the skin, and so that's where we began. And so we tried to come up. I don't know that you'll know that looking my zombies exactly, but I think if uh, I think the other part of it that informs it is not just the brown recluse concept, but also the fact that I choose a, a brighter color palette because I wanted it to be a comedy or a teen romantic comedy that happens to also have zombies in it. Right. And then at, when you do get a chance to see the film, you'll see how it evolves more towards the horror color tones uh but those two things is how i would say i created my zombies but influenced by all of the people you know obviously i stand on the shoulder of giants right yeah and i read you have plans to premiere this movie at a film festival this month uh we our world premiere is this friday in fact at the newport beach film festival and then we are we are screening at the marche du film in Cannes. Uh, but that's more about business. You know, technically we're not in the Cannes Film Festival. So we are there selling the film. Uh, but our, technically our world premiere is this Friday at the Newport Beach Film Festival, 6 p.m. August, excuse me, April 27th, 6 p.m. this Friday. Great. Good. Best of luck with this movie, man. I really, from what I saw, and I can't wait to see it from the trailer. It, it looks exactly, you know, I, I hung in there. Like, usually sometimes we get trailers from people who want to do an interview or something, and I'm like, eh, I don't know. But actually, I was really interested the whole time. It looked really good. I appreciate that. Thank you. It's, uh, I got a, a little piece of my soul, without a doubt, is in this film, so I'm glad you enjoyed it. Yeah, definitely. So, after this movie, what's next for you? Well, we, we shall see. You know, a lot of uh, one's career can hinder on how the first one does. Uh, I am developing and writing. Uh, one thing in particular that I really like is a modern-day Hercules story. 
Uh, and then, uh, you know, we're talking about what potential zombie kind of genre film we might do next, Rob and I. Uh, and then, you know, my background is actually theater. So I've got some theater writers that I'm developing some of the screenplays with them. But I don't have this specific project yet. And honestly, after executive producing, writing, and directing my own feature, and I do know that that is going to be part of my future, meaning, uh, you know, um, creating my own stuff. But I would just, you know, it would be a dream come true to be hired to direct a film <laughs> so yeah. that uh, some of the business aspects of it I wouldn't have to deal with for a little while. Exactly. All right, man. Well, thanks so much for filling everybody in and coming on the show. And, and like I said, really looking forward to this movie. You know, best of luck. And when you, uh, we're going to post the trailer on the link to the show. And uh, hopefully when, when you uh, find out, let us know how people can get it, and we'll let everybody know about it. I will for sure, man. Thank you so much. Definitely. All right, Alex. Thanks a lot. All right. You too, guys. Bye-bye. Have a good Thank one. You. Detention of the Dead, everybody. Check out the trailer. See, that was a real fun interview, and like I said, that movie looks awesome. But you know, guys, I got my own interview. Do you? Yeah, I have an exclusive. I actually ran into Arnold Schwarzenegger himself. No, you no didn't. way. Yeah. Yeah. Really? I, I bumped into him. I had my little recorder on me. I stopped him, and he gave me the lowdown on Terminator 5. Wow, so it's not going to be CG, Arnold? Wow, this is amazing. I can't wait to hear this one. Well, you'll see. Uh, you want to hear what he said? <laughs> Do yeah. I? All right. Here is my interview when I caught up with Arnold Schwarzenegger earlier this week. Oh, my God. Is it really you? Arnold Schwarzenegger. Yeah, how are you, man? Hi. Nice to meet you. You too, man. Hey, do you, do you have a minute to talk? No. Do you have a few seconds? Yeah. I do this radio show for Harbid.com. Good. And I just want to ask you a couple questions. Yes. Are you going to star in Terminator 5? Yeah. Now, do you think that you're a little too old to be playing the Terminator? You want to fuck with me? No, 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 sir. Please, don't, uh, don't, uh... Fuck you. No, no, seriously, seriously. It's, I, I didn't mean it like that, really. I, I, I... Dude, please, do not... Don't, don't, don't get mad. You're one of my favorite uh, actors Stop ever. Stop whining. Okay, okay, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I, I just wanted to ask you, do you think you're, you know, some people think you're a little old for the role. No, it is not true. You you think you can still play Terminator? Yeah. I just think that you're a lot older than you were when, when you did Terminator 1. Wrong. You're not? No. Okay. Look, did I piss you off, dude? Yes. You know, I was just trying to talk real with you, man. What the hell were you thinking? I mean, I just didn't expect you to react like that. What the fuck did I do wrong? You just started acting like a like a jerk with me. Fuck you, asshole. Fuck you. Fuck you. Dude, you're, you're, you're coming off as a jerk. Bullshit. You are. Stop it! Alright, fine. I don't play that game. Alright. Alright. What do you think I was setting you up to make you look bad? Yeah. Well, I'm not. Now tell me about when you cheated on your wife. This is all a lie. I was framed. I'm completely innocent. You're sure? No, it is not true. You're sure you never cheated on your wife? No. Okay. You know, I just, I just want to get more into this, but I'm kind of afraid. You know. That. What are you afraid of? 
Well, I ate a lot, and, I, and you're kind of getting me nervous here. I feel like I'm going to throw up. But I hope you leave enough room for my fist because I'm going to ram it into your stomach and break your goddamn spine! Dude, dude, calm down. Please, please. You want to fuck with me? No, no, I really don't, okay? Can you please calm down? Alright, now, now let's just try to talk rationally here. What do you get out of playing Terminator so much? Is it, like, really fulfilling to you? It's as satisfying to me as uh, coming is, you know, as uh, having sex with a woman and coming. Uh, alrighty then. And so can you believe how much I am in heaven? I'm like uh, getting the feeling of coming in the gym, I'm getting the feeling of coming at home, I'm getting the feeling of coming. When you play Terminator over and over again, no matter how old you are. I get the same feeling, so I'm coming day and night. I mean, it's terrific, right? <laughs> so, you know, I'm in heaven. Okay. Well, I think I should play the role, because I'm a younger guy, I'm kind of the same age you were when you were... You're a fucking choir boy compared to me! A choir boy! That... that... that might be true. Compared to you, I am. But I think I have what it takes. Don't be ridiculous. Fine, whatever, dude. You know what? Fuck you, asshole. Fuck you, asshole. Yeah? You're all washed up! Get off my show! You son of a bitch! Get off my show! Good. Yeah? I think that's messed up, man. I bought all your movies on VHS, I bought them again on DVD, I bought them on Blu-ray, I saw everyone in the theater, and, and that's how you're gonna treat a fan? Sue me, dickhead. <laughs> <sighs> Alright, Arnold, well, thanks for answering the few questions for the skeleton crew. I really appreciate it. Yeah. It was, uh, really fun. Good. And it was really nice to get to know you. And it was really nice talking to you. Nice to meet you. You too, pal. See you later, buddy. Fuck you. Well, there you have it, guys. What do you think? Oh, wow. Dude, that was fucking fantastic on so many Yeah, levels. he really gave a lot of information. Well, yeah. That, among other things, yeah. I know, it got a little rough. Uh, he just didn't see where I was coming from, I don't think. Uh, no, no, I don't think he got it. But you know what? You got you got the information that you needed, Alex, so bravo, sir. Yeah, was he at Chiller Theater this past weekend? Is that You met him and Lou? Lou Ferrigno was there, and Arnold stopped in to say hi, so I had to stop him in the hallways and just uh, ask him about because I knew that you guys would love it for the show. Very oh, sweet. Good. There you go. Thank you, sir. You do a lot yeah. for the show, Alex. That's, you that's do. Going hey, above only the skeleton crew can... <laughs> Fuck you, dickhead. Hey, he called me a dickhead. Yep. <laughs> that was kind of weird. That was good. <laughs> Let's get to some uh, other news, besides the fact that he's playing Terminator again because it's as satisfying to him as coming is. We have Madison County coming to DVD May 8th. Yeah. That I like. I, I've never watched the trailer, but I I, it, I think it'll be good. Now, what about Hatchet Three? Daniel Harris is back. I'll see it. Of course you will. Obviously, I'm going to see this movie definitely. Even though all those movies are just so cheesy, but yeah, of course. I absolutely hate Hatchet too, but I'm still. I always have to give the new stuff a chance. Uh, speaking of new things, Poltergeist remake. Sam Raimi. Uh, bad idea really bad idea. Dan? Now, do you think Raimi overall, Mike, has just gone downhill lately, or is that just a... Uh, they don't mix. Yeah, is it I, just have to do with him and Poltergeist? He's got to do an Evil Dead 4, and just forget about remaking Evil Dead with a female Ash, and forget about Poltergeist. Just get back to what you're good at, Sam. Yeah. I agree, I agree. 
Silent Night, Deadly Night remake. McDowell. I will see it. McDowell. Actually, there's a lot of famous people. People from Shark Night 3D, Scream, Sleepy Hollow, Scott yeah, Pilgrim vs. the them? World, McDowell Bloody Valentine, Mother's Day, McDowell. Yes, okay. There you go. That's a, yeah, dude. Yeah, I know. Daniel Harris is up to other things, such as her own movie, Hollow's Eve. The trailer looks pretty good. It's about a girl with her face half melted off, a lot of kids in a cornfield. How do you think this will go? Mike, I'll let you take this, of course. Well, I... Wait, you know what? I, no, I want an unbiased... Uh, Dan, what do you think? Oh, man, I, I don't know. I think, um... Hey, props to her, man. She's doing a thing. She uh, embraced the whole Scream Queen thing, so... You know, good for her. I haven't seen the trailer yet, but, you know, I heard she did another movie, so, you know, more power to her, man. She's great. Absolutely. You know, I, I love that kind of stuff. You know, people from within um, doing big things, and, uh, you know, she ain't bad to look at. Nope. I love the H. Yes. <laughs> All right. And we, we talked about Doug Bradley earlier. He was not cast for Hellraiser Revelations, but he was cast in Wrong Turn 5. Who cares? Uh-huh. Who cares? Okay. Well, I saw part, you know, I was sitting home one weekend, and they just, on some Spike TV or something, they played Wrong Turn 2 and 3. I sat through both. Yeah. Uh, the one with the Henry Rollins, that was pretty good. But the other That was two. Two. That was pretty good. But the other one was stupid. Okay, you got Lovely Molly. I, have you guys seen the trailer for Lovely Molly? Uh, no, I haven't. Okay, I did. It's a pretty, it looked pretty good. Really, it, I think this one's going for suspense. A really great scene where she's about to open a door and she keeps getting, getting, and you hear a voice inside, and it really, that suspense to, it was just awesome. I know. I have nothing to say. I wanted to get into something real quick, too, Alex. Um, Well, we don't have time, so we got last, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. The Chernobyl Diaries, have you guys seen the trailer for this on TV? That looks like shit. That's exactly what I'm saying, dude. It's rated R, too, though, so they're going for something here. Who knows? It's probably just gory. Yeah, but here's my thing. They're in Chernobyl with radiation, without radiation suits on. If the killer or creatures or whatever the hell it is that's chasing them doesn't get them, the radiation will. Uh, we're cutting that out. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) For some bizarre, stupid reason, they're doing The Last Exorcism 2. Now, I'm sorry, after watching part one... I wish that it really was the last exorcism. Why are they doing another one? Because who would be clamoring for another one? I mean, obviously this is just to make money. There's no artistic integrity here. The last movie was a huge build-up to nothing. The most shocking part in the movie was a girl sitting on top of a cabinet. When he entered the room, you hear all this noise. You wonder what she's doing. She's sitting on top of something. And, And then... Then the next crazy thing is that she leans back and talks in different languages. Oh my god, that is so amazing. In this day and age, wow, how can a 1970s movie be more shocking than 2010? I don't know, but it was. Well, there you have it. That was the horror bit headlines. Guys, great show, and uh, yes, I did get that Arnold interview, but just remember, everybody, there is no I in win, and there's no M or E in team. Yeah. This is... The Skeleton Crew, and we will be back next week with nothing in particular. Have a great night. (laughs) (laughs) Have a good one, guys. Yeah. Later. (laughs) (laughs) Arrivederci, baby.